Hello and welcome to episode 216 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybach, and joining me this evening is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I'm alright. I made I made a grave error just before we recorded this. And that I was sitting in a voice chat with Shongaku um, as he was finishing his first playthrough of the most recent episode. Um, and I have not, I'm not too terribly sick, but I've got a bit of a sore throat this week. Um, and that just wiped out what was left of my voice. Uh, cause I don't know if you guys have met Eric, but boy, does that guy like to talk. Boy, does that, I mean, I feel like we have that in common. I think maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's a prerequisite of being a host of this show is that you like to hear yourself talk a lot. Uh, yeah, I feel like my voice is a little bit raspy too, so maybe this is just the raspy cast. I'll allow it. Do oh. you have delicious uh, honey and lemon tea or something to soothe your, your raspy voice? I mean, I tend to avoid honey as a general rule. Oh, I see. Yeah, happens. Uh, anyway, this is going to be... I'm going to do the big old spoiler bouncer alert. We're going to be talking about the latest The Living Story episode, Living World episode, whatever you want to call it, A Bug in the System. I don't know exactly how much we're, detail we're going to get into, but probably all of it. So if you haven't played that episode yet and you mind spoilers, ye have been warned to turn back now. If you have played it or you don't care about spoilers, then listen on with delight or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, you want to you wanna start talking about the story or the map? Uh... Let's talk about the story first, because I think that kind of plays into how we get to the map and why we are where we are. Sure, that's fair. Uh, let me ask first, have there been any of those, and I don't remember the name that they used to call them or still call them, but the, like the current events? Um, boy, there was something just recently. Uh, crud, what was it? Hold on, I'm opening my achievement panel. Well, because the thing is, I haven't been playing a ton lately before the episode came out, and I felt like it sort of started uh, with an assumption that you, like, either I completely forgot where we left off on the last living story, or I feel like it sort of started under an assumption that you've been following a current event that I hadn't been. Is Which of those um, is correct? Yes. Uh, at the end of the previous story, uh, we had found the, um, gate hub in Farner mm -hmm. and, uh, saved Timey from the inquest while also shutting down gate hubs that Joko had been using to stage invasions. Um, but the, the invasions hadn't stopped and that's kind of where it goes into the current events. Okay. Where, um... Nothing significant. It's just that if you go to any of the, I believe it's just the starter zones, each each starter zone, and I think Gendarna as well has an invasion. Um, they're they're every hour. It's in like three different maps or something. So there's a there's a rotation of them. Um, but that's really all that's been happening. I think like on the scale of Scarlet's invasions, yeah, where. A whole bunch of events spawn up all over the map. If you progress them, bigger ones spawn, and then eventually there's a boss, and then it's over. But it only takes like 10 minutes, maybe. 
Okay. It's not. It's nothing revolutionary, but it's basically the the story is basically uh, you've destroyed some gates, but Joker's invasions have not stopped. Okay, yeah, because I remembered, I did like remember the Scarab Plague stuff, but then he was talking about, or yeah, they were sort of leading in talking about these ongoing invasions, and I was like, mm-hmm. sure, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's okay. I'm a little bit out of date. There's uh, been holidays and all that stuff in between. So, yeah. Anyway, but yeah. Now I'm man, man. This this story, the pacing on it felt a little odd to me. I guess I I'm like mm-hmm. having a hard time remembering individual elements of it. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, one of the things that was a bit weird about this story, although I think in in context it made total sense, is that the first three instances of the story follow on immediately from each other. There's no gap between them. Yeah. So you start out uh, with Timey calling you into the middle of the desert uh, up in Highlands, and you meet Kito and Ram and Rocks, which uh, I'm not totally sure why they're there. (laughs) Right? I don't... Isn't it just because they were there during the last episode? Maybe? Like at Barnard? I'm not certain why we... Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess they are just out in the desert now, but Brom doesn't really answer to us, so I don't know why we sent him a letter and we're like, hey, Brom, come come hang out with us after you've decided that you don't want to hang out with us. I'm, I'm just, I'm not totally clear on that. I'm sure there was an explanation somewhere, but I missed it. Okay, I, that makes me feel a lot better because they were like, I got your letter. And I'm like, letter? Uh, I don't even remember sending a letter. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's awkward. And I'm like, is it? This conversation feels awkward because I don't remember what it started I, on. <laughs> maybe, what if we just hallucinated sending a letter? Like, what if Timey sent Brahm a letter and players are just like, oh yeah, we definitely sent you a letter. No, I, I looked think. it up on the wiki. Okay, and, good. like, apparently, Brom sent a letter, and he was like, yeah, man, we were about to fight Jormag, and then it just went to sleep and disappeared. Weird. And I was like, that's the whole letter? Is that awkward? It doesn't seem that awkward to me. But also, yeah, weird, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, uh... <laughs> I, I think I'm just a little too out of it from having not played in a little while. Like, sure. I, I'm out of the context now. So, yeah, I it seems like Bram was pretty totally cool with us again. And I, I don't necessarily know that I feel like we made up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I feel like we do have some resolution to it by the end of the chapter. Yeah, and uh, just kind of by virtue of hanging out with him through all this and kind of getting reacquainted, but definitely at the start of the chapter, it, it's really weird. I think that's also partially just from my own personal bias of really not liking how Bram's been acting for the past, I don't know, four living story chapters. Mm. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm not ready to be <laughs> all, yeah, glad to see you back. You totally weren't being a jerk, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, so what, what actually was the first instance aside from like talking in the desert? Uh, you pop into an inquest facility and you have to stealth in the golem through the facility as most of the first instance. 
Oh, right, and you pull a Chewbacca. Uh, I don't know what that means. Have you not seen Star Wars? I have, okay. Uh, I had not seen Star Wars until about five years ago, and then uh, one weekend, I was literally taken to Iowa to watch all of the Star Wars and all of the Indiana Joneses, because I hadn't seen those either, in a weekend. Mm -hmm. And so they are all the same movie to me. And I don't remember much of what happened in them. But I have seen them, technically. I've also seen, uh, just last weekend, we went to see um, episode four with the music played by a live orchestra, which was really cool. But I don't know what you're referencing. I'm referencing in, I believe it's episode four, when they're walking, when they're like, how are we going to hide this, like, Chewbacca? And they're like, oh, we'll just put him in handcuffs. And he's like, right, yes, and gets all mad about it. Yeah, I I understand now. Yes, uh, which is exactly something... what you do with Bram. You're like, hey, how are we gonna get you? Obviously, not a Sura through here. And you're like, I've got handcuffs. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, and but like rocks, it oh, was no. totally fine with it. <laughs> She's like, I'm yeah, gonna whatever. need. I need like an overlay or something that just replaces Bram's dialogue with Chewbacca noises. Oh, that would make him so much more bearable. Yes. Can you imagine how funny this entire story would be? You're just like, <laughs> you're like, all right, let's do this. And I hope we can get over our differences. And he's like, and then you're like, <laughs> It would be yeah, just okay. like Star Wars where he just makes noise and everyone's like, aha, yes, I understand. Yeah, exactly. No, that would be great. <laughs> I am on board with this. Somebody needs to do it. Call, call a, some modder. I don't know. That'd be fantastic. Anyway, yeah. Right. So you, uh, you chain him up. I actually thought it was a really cute and creative usage of skill animation effects for the chains like because you're using the um dragon hunter uh <sighs> isn't it isn't it a dragon hunter spear of justice yeah i think so that like chains, that, like chains enemies to you yeah yeah um yeah I, I thought that was a cute usage of a of a skill effect for story reasons yeah. i guess uh speaking of like interesting mechanics in there when when the characters right at the beginning it's like oh your prisoners have to be deloused or whatever which makes uh chewbacca the second very happy yeah uh so they hop on a platform and i'm not this 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 episode has had a whole bunch of stuff with new moving platforms mm -hmm. which is really interesting but i don't think we've seen uh npcs hop on a moving platform like that before um so that I don't know that we could draw any interesting conclusions from that, but it, it piqued my interest, certainly. And also, I, I totally misunderstood what we were supposed to do because uh, I tried to jump. There were there were three platforms, right? Brom jumps on, Rox jumps on, and then there was a third one. I was like, oh, yes, this is for me. And then Frostbite jumped on. <laughs> oh, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do anymore. You are less smart than a devourer. It's Apparently. Fine. Yeah. I mean, that, that sort of reminds me of the opposite situation where we thought we were supposed to get him onto one of the platforms in the previous Living Story chapter, and the answer was actually mm -hmm. we were supposed to go pick up a rock and put it on the platform. I'm like, you've got a giant yes. devourer sitting right here. Um, so, I mean, to be fair, they faked us out before. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, okay. So, I yeah, I okay. I now, I now remember this instance. I do remember being kind of frustrated at the moving platforms, and I don't know if I was doing something wrong or I was just not timing it right, but there was a, a section where you have to, like, 
run backwards through the incinerator to like turn it off oh my god yes uh yes yeah i was later on once you get to sandswept isles but holy crap i hated that one too Oh, was that i yeah i was doing it with lacy yeah uh and we she got over there no problem and i was like i don't understand how you do this and so i spent a few minutes trying to jump over them and getting knocked backwards and then uh, randomly I dodged and like immediately made it over to the other side and I was like oh I guess uh, dodging is the, the champion yeah because the thing is that well now that we're talking about it let's just continue talking about that sure the it like sort of set your momentum to the platform's momentum too instantaneously and I can imagine yeah. from a engineering perspective why this technology that they just added into the game like is gonna do that instead of maybe mm-hmm. having like a really complex physics interaction but it made you feel like your your momentum was molasses because you'd be going forward with forward momentum and then you would instantly have like backwards momentum and then be running like slowly to go that way yeah and it made it really tricky and so usually what i ended up doing was just trying to like jump over the corners and never actually land on the platforms but it made it really annoying if you messed up and then like hit a platform and then got into one of the stunning vents and then you'd like fall onto the platform which would then push you back like three three little like stunning steam yep. vents back while you're knocked out. yeah anyway uh but anyway that's not the first instance uh you chewbacca your way in you um oh th- that's right they had that that uh like light puzzle um, yeah, I really liked that one. I did too. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of puzzles in this one. Yeah, I feel like was there another puzzle in that first instance, or was it just the light one? I mean, the whole stealth thing—you had to kind of figure out which things to turn off and which, uh, like, how run through the gates kind of fast. It wasn't a super puzzle, but yeah. there were puzzle elements to it. It was a good stealth section for sure. Yeah, actually. Uh, if you have trouble with that for any reason, I recommend taking a friend with you because your your friend will not be in a robot, but they will be in... They get turned into sort of one of the drones, like the the enemy drones, but they can disable drones, which makes it significantly easier, especially if you're going for the speed achievements. Nice. Good tip. Always the pro tips. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So I'm trying to remember how that instance ends. Is it basically just ending with you going to the sands oh is that the one where the portals are activating at the end you um, got like a... no you, you gosh do my the memory's light just puzzle. terrible right now yeah it, it, it does kind of all blur together you do the light puzzle and then you pop out in the other lab which is in the sandswept dials right you have to go through and rescue our new friend Botica. right right yeah, because wasn't there a part where you, it's like you can't warp to where you want to go, so you have to warp to the closest place, which is yeah. this other place, this other lab. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's it's not, that instance isn't anything crazy other than you meet Botica, but there's a couple nice moments where you're going up the elevator and you suddenly get a view of Rada Primus. Yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Yeah, it was a nice moment of... Uh, here is the scale of this thing, and it is huge. It makes you you feel small and excited to go explore it, you know? Yeah, it was it was good. So so we meet our new Char friend, which, surprise, there's Char here. 
and she looks crazy. She looked uh, like the first thing I thought when I saw her was that she looked like some sort of crazy ritualist char, which mm. I'm all about. Um, and then I sort of remembered that ritualists were Cantha, not Alona, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, she looks really cool. She's got this crazy, like, glowy horn action going on. Um, and yeah, then we meet this whole outcast or you know, outcast, but like they left, they left of, of their own accord, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. tribe of char that have, that have come down here basically back from the days of Gildor's one when the flame legion was still in charge and they've got their own thing going. Now I know that you are a big char fan. Actually, I'm, I'm a pretty big char fan too, but, um, like, I know you really, really liked this tribe. Is there anything you wanted to, like, specifically bring up? Uh, I mean, I think we talked about a lot of it last time. Uh, I, I, the thing that I liked most, more than any other, you know, any specific detail, is just that they took a lot of time and attention to these char and made them not just a set piece. They're a very interesting, um, fleshed-out part of the map with unique assets and unique lore and it shows and it feels just really good as a as a player who does really care about that race to have that moment because we haven't for a long time yeah um i'm trying to think i mean there's there's so many cool little things about the olmacon uh, i think one, one detail that someone pointed out to me was that they uh are really magic heavy char um which is kind of interesting because they the legion that they split off from was the flame legion which uh was heavy magic users and then uh, magic sort of fell out of favor in char society because of all the incidents of the flame legion but these guys seem to have kept it and refined it in a different way which i think is very cool yeah let's see the three main char legions that we have left are blood iron and ash is that right? yep. Isn't Ash kind of magic-y too? Just not fire magic-y? Uh, I mean, they all are to some extent. Uh, Ash is a little bit because they're they're the spy legion, right? So they the engineers kind of frown on them because they're like, oh, you're sneaking around and stabbing people when you could use a cannon. And the Bludgeon Legion's like, oh, you're using a cannon and sneaking around and stabbing people when you could be wrecking them with your face. Uh, so... They all have you know differing opinions of each other, but yeah, yeah. I like I like how quickly they were able to really get across the point that they have a very different sort of like ethic and set of priorities than the main char that the players are used mm -hmm. to, and it's like super apparent if you've played or paid attention to the char. I think that speaks well to the writing of just like the char race in general. And then also this offshot, the Omicron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's like things kept hitting my ears as like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, that's different. Uh, and I, I really like that. I'm honestly kind of amazed that we didn't have rocks like immediately try and join their tribe. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure that's going to come up in a future yeah. episode or something. Um, Right at the beginning of this instance, because th this is like the third, you go um, to the first one in Highlands, and then there's a second one, which is the the facility in this map, and then third instance is you go straight into the Char Village in an instanced area. 
Did you uh, upset the char by running over his cabbages? I did not. Okay, well, that is glorious because uh, no, my cabbages, I'm pretty sure is what he says. That's amazing. You have to run over them on your skimmer or something. Oh, that was really cool, too. I liked seeing the skimmers from the Omicron because they have uh, not just a generic skin, but they all have sort of the minor variations from the RNG mount pack. So there were a lot of different skimmers around for the various uh, Omicron, which was awesome. Because yeah. I love skimmers. They need more love. Yeah, while we're on it, I love uh, that this map has a decent amount of space for skimmers to, you know, shine. Um mm-hmm. They're not like, it's not an entirely skimmer map, but there's enough that I'm busting it out. Because I always thought that the skimmer was one of the more interesting mounts, and it always was kind of sad that it was like mostly pretty bad compared to all the rest of them, unless you're on water or a liquid, I guess. So just from a map design perspective, that's some, one thing that Vraven wanted to say. He was planning to be on tonight, but uh, wasn't able to make it, was that the map has a lot of good utilization of the different uh, mount mechanics and you know like there's well-placed sand portals uh pretty often uh we're just talking about the skimmers being used and useful and also with the tribe having their own sort of brands of them uh and then the other ones sort of go without saying there's plenty of times where there's like a high up place that i want to jump on my rabbit <laughs> forgetting the name of it right now um you know, and then there's always always use for the speed and the the gliding. But uh, as a, once again, they they really made good use of the tech that they've added in Path of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Ah, <laughs> uh, one thing that started catching my ear in this instance, I hadn't noticed it right away, um, but running around and listening to people talk, uh, Rock's got a new voice actor, which yeah. uh drove me nuts because i couldn't figure out what was happening i was like oh maybe something sounds odd yeah and it, it didn't it wasn't immediately obvious but later on i kept thinking oh man that must be Bodica speaking but they just put the wrong name down you know like it's just a text bug or something but i guess they have decided to replace uh rox's voice actor which is is odd and the explanation that was given during the ama is that they've decided to take rox's character in another direction mm. um which i I guess I don't know what direction they were going in, so I don't know how I feel about them changing the direction of Rox's character, especially since she hasn't been a very prominent character for, uh, I mean, a few years. I guess if we're ta- if we're saying that Heart of Thorns, you know, she was a prominent character in, which I I don't I wouldn't say that necessarily. It's it's been a long time since she's had kind of a story of her own, so I I'm excited about the prospect of her having more story. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she's been a character that I've always wanted to have more screen time from. So hopefully that bodes well. But anyway, I I actually, uh, during that next instance where you're sort of meeting the uh, Omicron and you're talking to the the Cubs, uh, I accidentally got completely annihilated when I I had almost finished the fight Uh with their like giant golem. Yeah. Uh, Because I just like wasn't expecting it to hurt. You know, because it just seemed like it was an easy fight. And then yeah. I just, like, stopped paying attention for a minute, and it was just like, full slam! And I just got instantly <laughs> wiped out. I was like, oh, whoops. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Kind of embarrassing, but kind of funny. 
I don't know. I just felt like mentioning that. It just it caught yeah. me off guard. Um, also, I am definitely surprised that these Cubs can summon up uh, player killing super golems. Apparently, um, that definitely was driving home that sort of ritualist vibe I was getting, which obviously still is not really the right region. But yeah, no, I I I really like this this tribe. I think they're really cool. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I agree with it, but people are are sort of pointing fingers at it and going, oh, oh, sand magic, you know, we've seen them MTs new uh, elite specs in the story before. Maybe, you know, some of these animations look a, bit, a little bit new. Might be, might be a future elite spec, which I don't know if I agree with, but it's something fun to think about regardless. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we're there yet. It would it'd be cool. You know how much I wanted Necromancer to have Ritualist be its uh, specialization, but... Yeah, I get my take on it is uh, if they're showing us desert-specific elite specs, I'm sorry, but we already got those. Yeah, that too. Um, so that too. the next ones will probably be focused on something else, so I, I tend to think not, but cool to see nonetheless. I, I am really pumped about the idea of an Earth Ellie, like a really Earth-focused Ellie, since I think that's an underrepresented spec in this game. So. Also, how I always thought it was really weird that the Earth auto-attack is, like, the bleeding auto-attack. Yeah. Like, that felt uh, kind of forced. Does not feel rocky at all. I do not think of a bleeding build as the rock. I don't know. Unless it's, like, massive blunt force trauma, but it doesn't... Yeah, anyway. <sighs> yeah, so... Uh, how did you how did you like the sort of end fight of that instance where, um, oh, actually I do want to talk about that the boss at the end of the sort of like meeting up with Omicron, the golem. Yeah, the big uh, curvy guy that we've never. I think I'm almost certain that's a new model. Yeah, I think so. Uh, dude, his little bouncy thing was super annoying to me. Like it hit the ground so fast, I just like never really got. It was it was hard for me to get the dodge timing down on the first bounce, like if you were close enough to him, because it just like yeah. the circle would appear and it would just like just hit so fast. Uh, I don't know if you like didn't have that problem or if you were just farther away and that helped, but uh... Uh, I think it was a mix because I again I was running through all the story with uh, a friend and so I didn't. I didn't have a lot of problems that other people had in, in the sense that we just DPS through a lot of things. Mm. Um, and then also I was on my, my pistol pistol dead eye for open world. So I wasn't immediately under the boss cause I would have uh, died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was getting downed a lot and that's probably at least partly on me for not uh, just being rusty and all that, but it was, I felt like I was having to get rezzed by Bram I think it was Bram that was resing me uh, a few too many times in that fight. Like it, it just felt wrong for those circle tells to damage so immediately after they appeared. Like mm -hmm. that sort of defeats the whole purpose of those tells for the most part. Um, but yeah, it was otherwise. It was a it was a good fight. It was a lot of uh, new attack patterns, new new model. Um, yeah, no, I I liked it. Do you have anything? Yeah, else? Yeah, I liked. I like the way they set up the mechanics as well in that instance, where you kind of you learned the mechanics in in the trash fight, and then it got implemented into the boss fight pretty well. I felt what mechanic from the trash fight? I'm kind of forgetting. Uh, basically, as you were at, like after the section where you 
fight the sand golem that the kids summon, you have to run them back under Brown's shield, mm -hmm. and you have to kill a certain add to get a special action skill that oh, stripped yeah, a shield, yeah. and then if you stripped the shield, it exposed another add that killing that add was what damaged the mob. Right, yes. So yeah. it's like, it expose the weak point and then bash it, but you needed to do it in a specific way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I do remember that now. I sort of had forgotten that that was introduced earlier, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. Uh, I think that sort of speaks to how well it was done because I didn't really think of it in those terms. I just sort of did it and didn't have to think about it. So I feel like that means they executed that tutorial aspect quite well. Also, when can my... <laughs> When can our guardians get walking super push invulnerable shields that <laughs> stay on them forever? Yes. I want that. I want that. Uh, actually, I don't want other guardians to have that, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't want that in World of the World, thank you. I've been yeah. playing a bit lately, and mm -mm, no more bubbles, thank you. Either that or else they have to just make everybody super OP. Just give everybody some crazy... Bubble Wars, too. Some crazy garbage. Oh, man. Anyway uh yeah no it's solid it's yeah you're right these these instances very much flowed one right into the other without basically having to take any time away from them and mm -hmm. that's definitely a different pace because i i kept wondering like where they were breaking and if i had to keep continuing um or you know like if it, it would save my progress if i quit mm -hmm. um the answer is at least in some of those places it does save your progress which is good because uh later on i had a bug that i couldn't complete an instance and i thought i was gonna have to do a whole bunch of it over again but i did not it had a very good checkpoint so i was not happy about the bug but very happy about the resolution i guess i would say yeah and in fact um if you go back to do achievements, mm -hmm. the Olmacon instance is itself split into three checkpoints, mm -hmm. which I think is a new, a new thing. So can or, you like <clears throat> choose which checkpoint you want to start at? Yeah, for example, you can. Um, it gives you three options, and one of them is to start the segment where you're walking the kids back to the village. Oh, um, that is nice. I think nice. you can just straight up start at the boss fight as well. Oh, that is really nice. I. Yeah, that's really nice if you're going to do the achievements because that can be a really tedious part of getting an achievement, especially if it's on like in the middle or the end of the instance. Yeah, you know, and you're like you have to run this whole instance just to try this achievement. Yeah, no, that's that's really good, and they made it very seamless. Like while you were doing it, mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Kudos. Yeah, I know. I know people were. Uh, somewhat disappointed about it it being so long that you have to sort of do these three instances back to back but they they flowed on so well to one one another that if you were you know if you had plenty of time and sat down to play it it felt really good to just go through it the way it was oh man you know what else was really good you didn't have to do the hearts in this map to progress the story yes i was just thinking that when we were talking about how it flowed quickly is like sort of that that by definition is also meaning that you're not, as you said, having to do the hearts or having to do like long explorer rounds. I That was definitely one of my big pet peeves. I mean, it was quite a few chapters ago now, but where you had basically part of the story that you had to effectively complete the hearts, but it wasn't mm -hmm. actually completing the hearts. And so 
if you had explored the map in between phases and done all the hearts, then you basically had to do all of the hearts again in like a really slow version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they've learned that lesson and iterated on that. Yeah. 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 Very good. Uh, you want to move on to the final Rada Primus instance, Saru? Uh, I think so, unless there's anything you want to say about the... Uh, there's a bunch of puzzle rooms. So there's the uh, one that is just straight up inspired by Portal. Um, there's... I, I don't think it featured in the story, actually, but there was a, a magnet room in which you had a hammer that sort of you could fly around with, like Thor almost. And this was in one of the instances or just in the open uh, world? That was open world, but it's it's in the same sort of area where you have to... There's a bunch of rooms around the central... Uh, tower isn't the right word, but central floating cube of Rada Primus. Hmm. I have not had a chance to do these, so I cannot comment, but if you would like to talk about them, I will be elucidated. Uh, I mean, that's basically it. There's a there's an anti-gravity room where you pick up a hammer as part of the heart, and then there are different skills on the hammer. One of them pulls you to uh, sort of these magnetic points that are flying in the air. So you pick up the hammer, and you can pull yourself to any one of these magnets, and then from the magnets you can use the force or whatever to to discharge it and shoot down robots while you're flying through the air, which is just really cool overall, like an interesting use of, of tech and uh kind of fun thematically and yeah uh, that's really all i've got to say about it but it was cool oh other than uh while you're in that room you can still mount up and uh, your mounts get low grab so uh you can hop on your bunny and it will hop about three or four times higher than usual okay uh, if you want to go to space yeah i was gonna say if you want to rocket ship out yeah i think uh i i've heard of people like getting it around the map but I've only personally got it in that room. Hmm. All right, cool. Uh, Good to know. There, I... Man, there was one other puzzle, but I can't remember what it is now. There's the portal one, the moving platforms, and oh, it was that room where you, the fake ley lines, where it was like, ha, I should jump on the ley line, but I can't jump on the ley line until I find this one button that makes me now susceptible to ley lines, even though I trained it in the jungle. Oh, but that's, well, that's part of the story instance, though. Uh, yes, that is. Although I will say that I definitely got turned around in there, like, a lot. I don't yes. know. There was, like, one one section of it that I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go. Um, and I kept basically just going in circles because I just could not. It looked like it, it was a place that I had already been, I guess. Yeah, well, it was somewhat because you, you did yeah. have to loop back, which was extra confusing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, let's let's move on to the last instance where you go to go to Rada Primus and uh, mess that stuff up. <laughs> uh, so at the very beginning, you pull up with your airship, and I was actually worried for a second that I was too hasty because I immediately jumped off while it was still moving, uh. and I was like, "Hmm, did I just did I just hose myself?" And then you know, they were like, "Hey, get off here. This is where we're going." And I was like, "Oh." Oh, thank God. Way ahead of you, but also that would have been really yeah. embarrassing if I jumped off our moving platform airship immediately when I was supposed to go to the other side or something like that. Um, yeah, the it was kind of fun going around and, and wreaking havoc on all of these like panicking inquests, people that are frantically trying to shred papers. Um, 
I felt zero guilt. Uh, was that the... I think it was this instance. There, there was one room where there's a bunch of portals and a bunch of inquest interns, and I didn't really work out what was going on in there as I went through the first time, but somebody pointed out to me later on that all the portals were linked to one another, so the inquest interns were trying to escape and just running through these portals and coming out in the same room yes. as the awakened archers shot them down. Yes. That's crazy. Hilarious, and also I love watching the inquest die because I hate Asura, but um my my anti-asura bigotry is well known on this podcast uh yeah i i enjoyed it i i really liked the little challenge um achievement thing where you rescue the script did you do that yet Mm -hmm. yeah that was that was fun um it was honestly like pretty tight timing i found which is yeah neat i guess um yeah like there if, if anybody hasn't done it there's a there's a portion of a poison section and you fly down and there's a you know glide down or whatever and there's a there's a script at the bottom that's stranded it's a test subject and you can either tell him to go out through the vents or you can carry him back to the airship for the achievement and in order to do that like you have to get on your mount and get back to the surface but it's poisoned so it means your mount is degening basically as soon as you leave the initial area and oh i just realized that'll be way easier with the mastery yes yeah well i didn't know that that was what the mastery was because i didn't check that until after i'd finished the story but it is doable without the mastery to give your uh, pet a whole bunch more health and it just oh, requires that's good to know yeah um... i did it with the mastery and i thought the timing was tight so clearly you have far surpassed me uh yeah uh yeah you can absolutely do it on the rabbit uh if you if you take the right pathing and get your timing correct so uh there you go although maybe it's just percent based in which case it wouldn't matter i know i feel like that might have well what what class were you though uh i think when i went back oh no 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 i would have been on my thief so your thief probably has the same amount of health as your mount so that mastery might not do anything (laughs) Oh, no, it uh, it gives your actual health pool, so it'll give you at least 11,000 uh, hit points. It's like the base health for Thief. Uh-huh. Um, but it does change based on your character. So my Necro's mount Has like mastery gets 20,000, which is bull. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, though. So you're... Because I think... Isn't the rabbit like 8,000? It's like not that different from a Thief. Yeah, but you can wait until the rabbit gets down to like 1,000 and then pop your thing. Mm. So you get another 11,000 on top of it because you'll just come in at full health with it. Sure. It doesn't just increase the health pool to 11k or whatever. Okay, yeah. I, I just got the mastery like five minutes before the show, so I haven't tooled around with it too much. But anyway, yeah, so you can totally do that achievement without that mastery, but it does make it somewhat easier. Uh, it's very tight if you don't have the mastery, though. But I like that they designed it that way. I think that that is, again, very good. It gives you an extra option if you need a little bit of a helper, but it doesn't require you to have mastery points and have the mastery line started and have the experience and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's a good mastery, too. Um, It opens up a new ability to you that's not necessary um, but also isn't passive and takes some thought to use, which is is cool. Um, and for a while, I wasn't using it at all, but the longer I have it, the more I find myself using it to travel through uh, areas of 
high mob density uh, high mob density yeah basically and to make it through the other side and to also have this moment of oh god if i don't make this it's really gonna suck yeah well especially like on a necro where you have so much health like mm-hmm. it'll be like yes my raptor is invincible <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah, yeah i, dig it. I, I really think hope really cool go ahead yeah i hope i hope they continue that trend like i hope this line is like unlocking the rest of the utility skills for the mounts that would be so cool that would make sense for because i when when uh poff came out it was that was one of my major suggestion complaints i guess it was that mm. i really had preferred th- or would have wished that they made mount swapping a little bit less tedious uh and my suggestion was to put the extra mounts on your six through ten on your mount skill bar because mm-hmm. they were completely unused but it could be that they had already planned like a six through ten from masteries on your mounts um which would preclude that from working obviously so yeah. you know if that's the case then you know uh i i guess that's fine and my armchair designer is not going to be adequate so but uh yeah i would i would enjoy that quite a bit um the rest of the instances mostly you're just sort of going around killing a bunch of inquests i mean until you get to the the boss fight that is right yes um do you want to talk about the boss fight first or do you want to talk about timey's two friends that you're sort of there to bail out also or do you want to just uh, talk about them afterwards? Let's talk about Blish and Gork, because I like them a lot. Yeah. So uh, So one of them is called Blish, and the other one is called Gork. Yeah, exactly. They're Timey's friends, and they joined the inquest at some point, uh, but seem to be conscientious objectors, I guess you might call them, uh, but only sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, they have sabotaged the inquest in this instance, and um, are... They were studying the scarabs uh, and the scarab plague, so they are sort of our new experts on what Palawajoko is trying to unleash. Uh, but at the same time, it's like they were sort of just sitting around while the inquest were experimenting on other <laughs> other dudes like Char and stuff. And yeah, uh, so they're not. Not really good guys, but they're also not mustache twirling evil, I guess. Sort of. Yeah, they're they're I think they're both interested. They're very different but interesting in their own right. Um Gorik is interesting to me um because he seems <laughs> I wanna say things like like interested in his research and uh self absorbent. <laughs> it's like that that doesn't stand out from normal Sarah, right? But the way like his character does stand out from normal Sarah to me, and I'm trying to qualify why that is without saying things that sound dumb. Yeah, um, I I feel you. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm glad you understand. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but I like well, it's I because like it feels like he has some shred of empathy, whereas most of Sarah yeah. don't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and you kind of see that when you're going through the instance and shutting off these security panels and it's playing back. Like, uh, you know, Gorik might be in this for researching the Scarab and, and doing it in a dodgy way, but he's also sealing off tunnels, destroying gates, um, actively sabotaging uh, the Awakened and protecting himself and his brother from, and his research, I guess, which makes sense again for being in Asura, from uh, the invaders. Yeah, also, speaking of his brother, so his brother's soul has been put into a golem, I guess? 
Yeah, so this is uh, not unheard of, actually. Uh, it's a bit odd, but one of the very first Asuran stories, if you choose a, a certain background, deals with uh, characters who have been absorbed into a golem and have to be extracted. Um, I, I'm not an expert on this by any means. I I just read about it recently as people brought up, oh, hey, actually, we, we have seen some of this before. Um, and by we, we mean people who play Asura, so not me. Right. Yeah. Not us. <laughs> uh, I yeah, think, I, oh, I, was I would say, be really it, excited about like plot threads from the beginning coming back to, to bite us or to reveal new information, have an update on those. I think that'd be very cool. Yeah, that's basically what I was about to say is this episode seems to be having a lot of good callbacks to earlier lore or sort of deep, deep cuts to old story elements, uh, both both with the Char and with the Asura. So uh, again, even though I didn't recognize it with the Asura because I haven't played them very much, I like that that is a reference. And it's, you know, much like some of the things that the Char... Um, are saying that strike our ears. I'm sure the Asura players like peeked right up at that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, totally," mm-hmm. um, which is great. That's awesome. Uh, it's funny though because having not known that ahead of time, when you were like, "Ooh, who's gonna tell Timey?" I was like, "Is it who's gonna tell Timey that this guy's brother is in a golem, or is it who's gonna tell Timey that this guy's brother is dead and he made a?" golem and named it after his brother and put a lab coat on it and he's crazy um because that's totally my was my initial read he's like where's your brother he's like i am brother bleep blarp and i was like oh no oh great yes oh man (laughs) because that sounds totally Uh, like an asura thing to do right yes uh i'm sorry if this tramples on your feelers by the way um but someone pointed out a resemblance to a certain character in Fullmetal Alchemist that says Edward. <laughs> Edward. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, boy, I know lots of really awful jokes about that character. Um, yeah, uh, it's fine. It's fine. I've buried my feelings long ago. Aww. But uh, <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, anyway, so... I, I like that uh, Timey took it so well. I have to imagine that Timey's story arc is going to conclude with her uploading herself into Scruffy. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's you know, inevitable. Yeah, you know, with Timey uh, having her hands in everything that the commander does these days, mm-hmm. I'd kind of forgotten about her disease um, just because she is everywhere and in her golem and, and kicking butt. I kind of forgot... You know, she she has this really cool line in sort of the epilogue of the story where she says something like, she sees Blish and she goes, oh my god, you're in there. And he goes, oh, it's terrible, shock, horror, right? She's like, no, it's beautiful. You're safe from all of life's frailties. And I just, I thought of it immediately as, oh my god, you know, we've lost so many, so many friends and allies recently. Um, so she's thinking about, you know, you're safe in that robot as, you know, from from danger but i didn't think about it in the sense that uh she's crippled and her legs do not work and she's dependent on the golem not for just fighting but to get around and do all that kind of stuff yeah uh it's i i know what you mean it can definitely be easy to forget that especially because most of our interactions with timey are over the comms right Mm -hmm. 
but no, I, I mean, when she said that, I definitely took the latter meaning, right? That she's, well, really both. I mean, it was sort of a multi-layered comment, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, the world is cruel and also our bodies fail us and that sucks. So yeah, yeah pretty, pretty sure that that's going to happen. Uh, but it's Someone great. should remind her before she does that what happened to the previous two Scruffies and also every airship the commander's ever been on. I'm just saying. I mean, that Safe is from tr- life's frailties for sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, the same could be said of any like regular biological person that's joined the commander, right? Like yes. your pact mentor, for example. Uh. Oh, um. But I, I think it's definitely a different situation from having a crippling physical dis- disability versus not, right? Like, you're always going to be in danger, but uh, yeah, anyway. But I am really glad that they, if that's where this goes, which I have to imagine it is, I'm really glad that they sort of put this in as sort of a, a reintroduction to this concept uh, because everybody, well, maybe not everybody, but most people that are still playing the game are playing the living story, whereas many people may not have played many Asura or played that specific Asura um, story arc, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not going to feel like it comes out of left field if and when this happens to Taimi, um, because it will have been sort of foreshadowed in the living story, which you know everybody participates in regardless of your um, race-class combo. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um how'd you feel about how'd you feel about that last boss fight in uh, the the last instance backtracking a little bit? Um I don't have much of a connection to Lona as a character. I just don't remember her. I remember that she was a Nightfall, but I don't remember what she did mm-hmm. other than maybe being a necromancer trainer. Am I remember remembering that right? Um she let's see, she was a necromancer. She was in charge of the Sunspear Sanctuary. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I had to wiki it. I I definitely remembered the name, but like the look was so different that it didn't like immediately set off a. Oh, I totally remember this character. Um, mm-hmm. I did think. <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird that, like, she she had a line where she was like, "I'm not planning to die." But if I die, don't ever let me be resurrected again. It's like, that felt really weird to me because it's like, on the one hand, you're saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you to the death and like kill you. But also I hate my existence. (laughs) So like, I I don't know. Yeah, I kind of interpreted it as the farther we got away from Sandswept Isles or Joko, I guess the more uh, she didn't totally have her own will back, but the more she could escape it, kind of like how Cost did in the previous instance where he goes into that cave and just won't let himself go out so that he can maintain his own will. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just kind of interpreted it like that. But it, w- it was an odd line, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. incidentally, it bugged out at the very end of that fight uh, when the Claw of Jormag also shows up. Um, I like I killed her before she was able to, uh, like spawn the last shade that you need to kill. 
And so I was just like uh... sitting there and I couldn't die because Dromag couldn't actually hurt me fast enough. Um, oh, really? We we uh, we just got absolutely walloped in that that portion with Dromag. Well, I think, it, but Dromag, I think it was I because since she was dead, like it uh... it would like trigger the fight over like over yeah. and over again. Um, it's it was not necessarily like a cakewalk when I was doing it, but like since I had killed her, you know, it was like it just kept putting me in auto regen. Mm. Um, and he didn't do enough damage to outdo the auto regen, but there was also no way to actually like terminate it, so I just had to log out and hope that it wasn't at the beginning of that entire damn instance. Yeah. Uh, but it in fact put me out right in that like last fifth of her health or whatever at the Jormag chunk. Nice. So it didn't take very long to to just like beat her again. I, so I didn't even have to do the whole boss fight again. I just had to do that last 20% and then it worked fine. So um like I said, uh a little a little annoyed that it happened, but it was the best possible resolution to it. Um Yeah. So, you know, good job, I guess. Um yeah, it was it was uh it was it was a decent boss fight. There were some some cool vistas. Uh I was I always have a little bit of a pet peeve when in fiction they're like, oh, you've teleported to some crazy extra dimensional far off galaxy place. I <laughs> yeah. don't know where you are. And you're like, get me out of here. And they're like, okay. I'm like, well, if you don't know where I am, how are you getting me? Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I fine. I appreciated the quiet moment with Brom, but I also sort of rolled my eyes at that. Like, oh, it was wacky Asura again. Oh, oh my god. So Freaking reality. when you arrive there and Brom's like, where are we? Or maybe the commander says it, I don't remember. And I, I just immediately said out loud, uh, we're inside the skybox of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> and like my wife was sitting next to me and she's like, that's probably true, actually. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe, probably is. Maybe, or maybe not Twilight, one of the starry weapons. That was just like my immediate thought. I'm like, this looks like a legendary background that we're like looking the window into on all those yeah. particle effects. Um, but no, I, I did um, I did appreciate the quiet moment and your sort of reconciliation. Although, of course, that was that moment we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Where we were like, what letter did I send? Or did you send? I don't <laughs> remember why this is awkward. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add, or are are we, uh, both losing our voices and about ready to call it? Uh, was there anything in the achievements or in the open world that was notable to you that you want to talk about? Uh, I have not actually looked at the achievements too much other than the, um... Oh, oh, I know something to talk about. Uh, one reason that you should look at the achievements for this patch is because you can get a 32-slot bag for uh, basically no money and no time gating. Um, it does have a priority system to it, so th there are certain bags in the game that you can get that have, uh, you know, this one collects junk items, or this one collects only green, um, and all of them collect that thing first, but then... Uh, will fill with other stuff if it would fill your bags. So um, there's a new type of bag as a reward in the map, and you can get one one version of it for free. Um, and that's for following Effie's story. So Effie is the char cub that you meet in the actual story instance. And then following on from that, you can go speak to a bunch of char around the village about you know, who's going to take care of her, what her mother was like, and just kind of get the rest of her story. 
Um, so not not only is it a, a pretty touching achievement if you want to sit there and, and read through all the text, um, but it's incredibly useful to just get one of those bags if you uh, don't care. It is not very difficult to get it and requires no money or time gating. That is good to know because those things are expensive as all get out normally. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I didn't quite finish my thought. This, uh, this particular bag collects consumables and uh, openable bags Ooh, first. That's nice. Yeah. And I think... Uh, I'm not certain if it's a bugged functionality or it's supposed to work like this, but it also functions as an invisible bag, which means uh, at least at the time that I got mine, and I haven't looked at it since, to be honest, um, it didn't, uh, it won't salvage things in there. So for example, if you want to collect your un unidentified gear and you don't want to salvage that unidentified gear until you open it with magic find, you can put it in there and it will be safe. I believe that is meant to be changed and may have already been. So don't, you know, you know, do an experiment before you just trust my my word on it. But that is the way that it was working when I got it. Alrighty then. Well, I will definitely look into getting that. That is a pro tip indeed. Do we have any cast casts? There's probably stuff we can talk about on the map and such, but we can just wait until next time when Brabin comes. Um, sure. Uh, I don't have any specific community stuff. There's just a slew of like dev posts in the last few days. Uh, so one of them we got was uh, an update on the PvP World v. World balance splits that I talked about last time. Uh, those are, are coming soon. The PvP season has now ended, and we, uh, we always expect to see a balance patch between PvP seasons, so I imagine that there will be one soon. I don't think it's been explicitly stated what the date is, but next week is probably a good bet, or two weeks after that. My guess would be next week, just based on how they talked about it in the thread, even though uh, they haven't said anything specific. Um, there were a bunch of wind traders banned from uh, PvP, or sorry, not banned, that was the thread title, but they were given three months of dishonor or something for, for trading winds. It's not necessarily great but it's something and it it signals that ArenaNet is looking at this as a problem because the community has known it to be a problem especially the high-end pvp community has known it to be a problem for a while um so that's finally getting some traction which is really good um gosh there was one more thing oh there was a thread today on the reddit which i didn't link in the show notes but it had it was talking about um optimizations for the game and it, basically, it's the same story as always, that uh, it's it's built on an old engine. Uh, there are things that they would like to do better, but are it's economically unfeasible to do some of them. But the interesting thing about this thread is one of the developers goes through and lists off specific things that they can or cannot tweak um, and kind of goes into specifics about it, which I don't think we've had before. So that that's the real merit is is uh, digging through the comments and seeing the different things that the devs have posted. So I uh, highly recommend going in to look at that if that's the kind of thing you like to read about. Oh, one more thing. This totally came out of left field, but this week... Uh, oh gosh, what is, what is his name? It's one of the devs. Huh? Is it the one about Guild Wars 1? Yeah. Yeah, his, his initials are SCW, which is also what he goes by. Yeah, uh, so SCW put a thread up on 
our Guild Wars, not Guild Wars 2, Guild, Guild Wars, my throat is really starting to go. Um, and he's he's doing an AMA about the original game, which is weird <laughs> uh, for that to happen. But he they talk a little bit about uh, the tech. Um, he explicitly says that they have no plans to shut it down at this time. So it's not like they're just, uh, you know, they have a plan to run it underground eventually. Um, he... They they touched on a few other things as well, and it basically it's it's a long term thing. He's not gonna just do it for a single day or whatever. It's just like you know, go and leave your questions in there, and they'll get around to answering them a few times when they can. So I think that is still open to you if you wanted to go do that for some reason. It tends to be more technical questions, but they have answered some other questions as well. And other developers it got some traction with other developers who've gone back and and checked in on it. Uh, so I think. One of the notable ones is that, I can't remember who it is, might be Mike Zatarajny, um, went back and, and talked about that they had done an outline for what a Beyond Nightfall campaign would have looked like, um, and said it touched on the Marganites and stuff. So I, I don't remember the, the exact details about that, but if that's something that appeals to you, it might be something to go check out. Yeah, one of the details that I picked out, that was something I was actually going to mention um, before you brought up the thread in general was that um scw said that they had migrated the guild wars one service to amazon web services which is amazon basically ha um, has a hosting service where you can spin up and down and dynamically increase the bandwidth and machine size of servers um which we're actually experimenting with at our at my real life job uh, right now so that was that definitely caught my interest and so that's actually what they run the guild wars one servers on now uh and they're fairly cheap especially for the combination of what i imagine is a very low amount of traffic for guild wars one and also low system requirements uh relatively mm -hmm. speaking because guild wars one is a very old game and it was very efficient even by those standards um he was talking about some of the tech of like what the what the physical servers used to be for guild wars one and they were uh, only 32-bit, because like 64-bit was not mainstream or anything like that back when they were developing it. Uh, they were two core machines, not not um, not like duo core where your processor has two cores on it. It was actually two individual processors because dual cores also didn't exist back then, uh, and they were like basically by modern standards weak little tiny computers for their servers <laughs> uh and so i have to imagine that hosting that type of a system on amazon web services has to be really cheap and like i said they can't get that much traffic on it um mm -hmm. and then when you couple that with the way that they engineered guild wars really guild wars 2 as well um it's always been an extremely efficient engine because of the way that they instance uh maps out so like i know that some people definitely complain that guild wars 2 is like a whole bunch of instance maps rather than like one giant completely cohesive world but the advantage to that is that it means that you know say nobody's in i don't know harathi hinterlands or whatever they don't have to be like rendering that map and like paying bandwidth on that map and you know running the ai on that map like they don't have to do anything with a map that nobody's on or they don't have to do very much on a map where very few people are on and mm -hmm. um 
all of guild wars one was that way you know like every map was a fresh instance and it only existed when your party like spun up into it and so you have to imagine when the player base is very low that that's you know using effectively nothing i mean it could literally be using nothing until somebody decides they want to log on um so that really makes it very plausible that you know guild wars one could continue to run for years and years and years for you know i mean basically nothing right um Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really i thought that was really cool and it was really interesting that they were like talking about the exact specs of the old machines and like the method they're using for keeping the services running right now and yeah i this is really interesting at least from a from a techie perspective so yeah well i think that is about a wrap unless there's any 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 other things I think I'm good. If I have anything else, we'll just have to do another podcast next week. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, well, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Spirit, once again, as always, for co-hosting with me. And we will be back sometime shortly. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.